Blog Talk Radio. Well, 1.3 million of you have seen the ad, so you probably know that tomorrow Steve Burton is coming back to General Hospital. Uh, Mal Young will begin airing his material as the new head writer of The Young and the Restless later this month. There's big changes happening all over the place, and we're going to be talking about them all tonight, plus taking your calls here on Tune In Tomorrow. tweeting on Soaps in Depth ABC and Soaps in Depth CBS every afternoon. Uh, we're testing out a new system here, and I want to thank Karen from Chicago, who before the show uh, was kind enough to let me uh, sort of use her as a guinea pig, and hopefully it's working. Hopefully everybody can hear me okay. I, I have a little headset on and everything, which usually I don't. Usually it's me sitting here with my cell phone pressed, pressed up against my ear, so Hopefully this is working. Uh, if you want to join the conversation tonight, feel free to give me a call. The number is 714-868-0749. Again, the number is 714-868-0749. If you uh, want to just listen in over that number, you can. You can also uh, press, I believe, the number one, and it'll send a little indication to me that you want to come on and join the conversation. And uh, we're pretty open here. Uh, when I was talking to Karen before the show, she said, you know, she was in kind of a negative headspace. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming about the shows. Uh, and, and I understand there are people who are not happy with their shows right now, and that's okay. You know, I like to say that we're forever fans. Our shows, um, you know, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but we keep coming back and uh, we, we hope for the best, even when they're not necessarily delivering on the uh, uh, promise. And it is sort of a promise. It's a relationship. You know, it's we promise we will tune in every day and we will watch and I don't know, maybe we'll buy some of the goods advertised by your sponsors during the show. And in exchange, you're going to tell us good stories. And of course, all stories on the canvas aren't going to be good at the same time. If you're lucky, you know, there may be five or six stories going on. And if you're lucky, five of them will be good. Some days it's not so good. Some days, some days the average is a whole lot lower. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, tomorrow, Tuesday, is the day that Steve Burton comes roaring back to General Hospital, as you've seen in the ad showing him on the motorcycle. I actually almost wish that I had waited and was doing this podcast tomorrow because I'll be interested to see uh, what people are saying afterwards. But of course, most of you will be, or at least some of you, I hope, will be live tweeting with me and I'll be able to get your feedback live during the show. I get the 3 p.m. airing here in my area. I know a lot of people get to watch it at uh, uh, before me, so I'll be checking in uh, during the earlier show to see what people think. Uh, it's been, you know, a pretty big deal has been made out of Steve Burton's return, and of course it's caused a lot of 
let's go with conversation. Um, that's the nice way of putting some of the stuff that uh, takes place in the Twitterverse. Uh, one of the things that's been going on over the last few days is people have noticed that the show is not showing Jason's face, meaning Jason, who has been shot and is in the hospital, and um, there's been much debate about whether or not Sam should have him sent to a clinic. They haven't shown his face. And some people are thinking that that means that tomorrow, when, uh, which is, as we know, Steve Burton's first day, that Steve, that Jason will open his eyes and he will suddenly look a whole lot like Steve Burton. That's one theory. Uh, another theory is that Steve Burton is now playing the role of Nicholas and is the person that we've been seeing who is known only as patient six at the clinic where Ava is at. Uh, others think that the person at the clinic will be Steve Burton but will not be Nicholas, might be Morgan. There's a lot of theories going on around out there. I think if I could offer a word of caution heading into tomorrow's episode, it's to remember that this is a soap opera, which means there's a really good chance. In fact, I'm going to say there's a probability that you aren't going to get the answer as to uh, who Steve Burton is playing on tomorrow's episode. Uh, Friday's episode of Days of Our Lives, if you're a Days of Our Lives fan, we all knew that on Friday's episode, Chandler Massey was going to be reappearing as Will. And, of course, at the very end of Friday's episode, Lucas turned around and saw his son Will and gasped, and we faded to black in the credits, and that was the end of the episode. And I had people on Twitter very, very upset about the fact that we did not see Chandler Massey until the very end of the episode. And of course, I, my response to that was, um, have you seen a soap opera before? Because of course, it was a Friday, it was the cliffhanger, they weren't going to show you Will for more than a couple of seconds, and then you had to tune in today. Um, I will say today's episode of Days really delivered. Um, it was the first full day that we had Chandler Massey on screen. Uh, he shared scenes exclusively with Brian Tatillo today as a drunk Lucas sort of fought his demons and talked to his son. It was an interesting episode. It, for one reason, it was an episode that was basically one storyline. There were lots of different characters on today, but they were all talking about one storyline. It's the buildup to the double wedding uh, between Chad and Abigail and Sonny and Paul, and how this, and of course, how this is impacting Lucas when combined with some of the other things he's been going through lately. And we saw Kate and Jennifer talking, but all of the conversations were basically revolving around this one storyline. Now, anybody who, you know, follows me, talks to me, knows anything about me, really, knows that I am not a fan of single storyline um, stuff. Like, like, Bull and the Beautiful sometimes gets stuck in a rut where it's not only telling one storyline, but they will cut from, say, Broken Ridge talking about their future to maybe Steffi and Liam talking about Brooke and Ridge's future. So it's, it's sort of very cyclical and all, um, it, it can get a little annoying, to be honest. 
But uh, today's days really wasn't like that. Even though it was only focused on the one storyline, there were so many different angles from which it was being approached that it, it really, really worked for me. Uh, the other big thing on the horizon is we have Mal Young coming, uh, his material coming on the Young and the Restless. As many of you know, he joined the show as first as, I think he was supervising producer for a little while, but we all knew pretty much as soon as he came on board that he was going to be replacing Joel Baron Phelps as executive producer. And once he did, um, he was working, Sally Sussman then came on board as head writer. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that people have been sort of dissatisfied with the storylines under Sally Sussman. Uh, she explained in an interview that she came on with no time to prepare a long-term story, immediately dived, dove in, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, take that for what it is. Um, it, I thought it was an interesting interview, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but I have spoken to Mal Young several times since he joined the show, what, a year ago maybe? And I'm a pretty big fan of his. Uh, he comes from the world of English soaps and English shows. He's done Doctor Who and he's done EastEnders. And um, when I have talked to him about story and stuff, I've really gotten the feeling that he knows good soap, that he knows what makes good soap. Of course, one of the things that's going to be interesting is to see how that translates. Uh, there's uh, there are many stories on the Young and the Restless right now that feel as if they are sort of treading water, almost as if they are waiting for uh, Mal Young's material to begin airing, which will be at the end of October. I believe October 25th is his first episode, which I think is a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Sex Ring, for example. I have not been a fan of The Sex Ring from the very beginning. I, it's just not the kind of story that The Young and the Restless does very well. Uh, traditionally, they just don't do this kind of story well. But I will say that I, I don't know whether it was Sally Sussman's idea to inject Tamara Clatterbuck's Alice into the story or whether this was something Mal Young came up with, but it was, for me, this first really smart move that this story has made because it took a story that was sort of about people that we don't really know. You know, yeah, Tessa's been around for a while, but she's not, you know, what I would consider a major core player at this point. And uh, her sister, Crystal, we certainly have no investment in whatsoever. But to put Alice into this suddenly tied it into Sharon, tied it more, tied it more strongly into Sharon, tied it into Nick. It gave us a lot of different, uh, at least a, at least a perspective. It gave us something that longtime viewers could latch onto and that we would be able to relate to because because if only because we know Sharon. Now I'm not happy about the fact that this story has basically in, ignored Paul and Christine. If you remember when we first started hearing about the Fetch Ring, it was because Christine. Uh, Christine had sort of talked to Scotty, who was her nephew, and wanted him to get involved in helping bust this organization. And, of course, it makes sense that Paul, the top cop in town, would be involved in this, and yet none of that is happening. We're not seeing uh, anything of Christine and Paul. It's all become Sharon and Nick, and uh, to a lesser degree, Tessa and Mariah. So that's not really working for me. I kind of think that the whole story might have been a, a bigger sell for me right from the start had we decided that instead of it revolving around Tessa and her sister, it had revolved around Summer. Um, you know, 
Summer left a while ago because, of course, her, her portrayer got a bigger part on Life in Pieces, a, a very funny sitcom she's been doing. And which, by the way, if you haven't seen Life in Pieces and you haven't seen Hunter King on it, you should check it out. It's so amazing to see. And, and she's so different. It's very fun to see an actress do something completely different. Um, but anyway, imagine if instead of Tessa, we had found out that while Summer was overseas on her little adventure, she had gotten kidnapped and whether brainwashed or simply, you know, the threat to her family sucked into this sex ring, suddenly I would care a lot more. Suddenly there would be characters that I care about. You know, imagine Victor finding out that his, his granddaughter had been sucked into a sex ring. Uh, he would be moving to heaven and earth. Imagine Nick and, and Jack and everybody, Phyllis, imagine their reaction to finding out that, that Summer had been pulled into a sex ring against her will. Uh, it would certainly have a much bigger impact than does this current story. Plus, at the same time, let's say you bring the character back, you bring Summer back at the end of this story, and you have this great story where Summer says, hey, did none of you notice I was you know, missing? I went, off, I went off the range and was being trafficked. I was being used by sex traffickers, for heaven's sake. How could none of you have noticed that, uh, that this happened to me. So it automatically gives a lot of different layers to a story that this one doesn't necessarily have. Uh, Bold and the Beautiful, we are, I, I, I said today on Twitter, and I firmly believe this, um, right now BNB has been having a lot of cat fights between Sheila and uh, Sheila and Quinn. And of course, the first one in the mansion, you know, when when they were throwing things at each other and they destroyed the forest of living room. It was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. The second one was basically a pillow fight and was not quite as much fun. Today was basically another fight between them that sort of echoed a combination of the two previous fights. And as I said on Twitter, I think cat fights on soaps are like hangovers in real life. You don't want them too often. You know, every now and then, you know, you get one and, and, and it probably was a good time getting to it but you don't want them too often. And I think B&B is approaching that point. Let's move the Sheila story on. I love Kimberly Brown. I'm really glad having her back. I think she and Quinn, uh, that Kimberly Brown and Rita Silver make for great rivals, but I don't necessarily, you know, I, I feel like the story has stalled a little bit. So I'll be interested to see where that goes. Um, I loved the stuff with Liam and Bill. I thought that was a lot of fun. They faked us out first with the dream sequence. And I know a lot of people were annoyed by that, but to me, I was like, that's classic B&B. They've done this many times. In fact, if you remember the time that Sheila was uh, arrested at a fashion show, walking down the runway in the showstopper, and that all turned out to be a dream. So it's not like dream sequences are an unusual thing for Bold and the Beautiful. And interestingly, uh, as people were talking about this, a very similar thing was happening on one of my favorite primetime shows. I'm a big fan of... Issa Rae and her show Insecure on HBO, not a show that you should watch if you're easily offended by bad language or, or many other things, but um, they did a great fake out at the end of season two in which as Issa and her um, ex-boyfriend were parting ways, he suddenly got down on one knee and proposed and she imagined, and, and, and we saw flashes of their whole life together only to find out that it was an, uh, a dream sequence and then he walked away. Uh, so, you know, it's it, dream sequences. They're not just for soaps anymore. Uh, I think my friend Karen has realized that it's okay to be in a slightly, you know, 
bad headset sometimes where your soaps are, and she's going to come on and chat with us a little bit. If you want to join us on the show, if you've got opinions that you want to share, good, bad, or indifferent, just keep them. Remember, we don't bash actors. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all about supporting our shows, in giving, even if we have to give them a little tough love. But the number here is 714-868-0749. Again, it's 714-868-0749. We're going to start here with my good friend and guinea pig, Karen from Chicago. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm okay, glad so this here. is what I decided. I was th- I was thinking, um, okay, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk. There's some things that I'm not even going to say. But I'm thinking about this Steve Burton thing. You know, it, I'm finally resigned to the fact that he's coming back and there's nothing we can do about it. And I really don't want to lose Billy Miller because I really, really like him. So this is what I'm hoping. Now, you, you have to remember that when it came out that he was Jason, they did do a DNA test, and it did prove that he was Jason. So I'm thinking that Steve and Billy are going to be the twins, and that Susan Moore had twins, and whether she knew about it and gave one of them away or because wasn't Heather with her when she gave birth I don't remember it for sure. Or Heather got rid of one of them and didn't my tell understanding her. Of, my understanding of the original story, and, and I, I will admit that it gets confused in my head. I'm not the young man I once was who had all of this information stuffed up in my head. But my understanding of it was that supposedly Heather was there uh, when Susan gave birth, and Susan un. I think Susan was unaware that she had twins and Heather took one of those children and gave it to her fellow nurse, Betsy Frank. That's my understanding. But see, now, I don't think, I think Franco might be involved in some way that he might've been friends with one of the twins, but I don't think he's like blood related. I think it's going to turn out that Billy and Jason are actually twins. And that's why the DNA matched so then we're going to come to the – so if that is what, how it – you know, if, if that's what happens, then we have Sam in the middle of both of them because she's got a kid with both of them. So I wouldn't that's mind that happening. Theory. That's an interesting theory. Another theory I've heard is that, you know, I guess sort of falls into the more the merrier category of Susan didn't have twins. She had triplets, and all three of them are siblings, that Franco – uh, Franco, Jason, and you know, new Jason, for lack of a better word, are are all siblings, and that the picture is of Franco and you know one of his siblings, whichever one it is, uh, growing oh. up. So you know that's that's another possibility because of course you know when when Heather tells a story, we've certainly learned in the past that it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily give all the details. So, right. So that's right. Yeah, that I mean that could be. I'm really hoping that that's you know that that's how it's going to work. I just really don't want to to um, have Billy leave. You know, and I know he just signed a new contract for four years, but that doesn't mean anything because. Rebecca signed a, a a new contract for four years, and they got rid of her right after she right after that. So, I'm just I, I'm I guess I'm like I said I'm resigned that Steve's coming back, and I hope everything works out good, and I hope the stories are good. I just don't want Billy to leave, <laughs> and I hope it turns now, out the that way, they're twins. And you know, the way you say that, 
um, I'm resigned to him coming back. Uh, were you not a fan of Steve Burton? Yes, I, I. You know, to tell you, I was. I used to adore Steve Burton. Every time he comes to Chicago, I would be there to see him. I have pictures. I have so many pictures of me and Steve together. It's. It's like, but. I think what happened, and I understand that there was a lot of things going on when he left General Hospital, you know, that, and I don't even care about, you know, what happened and, and why he decided to leave. What really irked me, and I still probably haven't gotten over, is how quickly he moved on to Young and the Restless. If it would have been any other soap, if it would have been Days of Our Lives or Bold and the Beautiful, I probably wouldn't have been so upset. But he chose Young and the Restless, and I always, um, I mean, General Hospital is my number one soap, and I'm I'm always like, um, oh, what's the word I want to use? Um, looking at both those soaps and going, well, I think General Hospital is so much better. Why why aren't they number two, or or you know, why are they always number three? Young and the Restless is okay, but it's it's you know, and frankly, right now it's so boring I can't even stand to watch it, but. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, it. I think it's just because he went to that soap, and then he stuck I, around I, for three horrible years of horrible story writing for him, and he didn't get a good story until his last year. And I know he's an actor, that? and he has to work to support his family, but come on, <laughs> you know. It, it's funny. I, it's funny. I agree. The um, the story on Young and the Restless. It started okay. Um, you know, he, it, it had potential. Then it went absolutely nowhere for like two years. And then all of a sudden, just when Dylan finally got interesting, you know, like that last four or five months, I really liked Dylan's story. I loved the undercover stuff. Yeah, I, I did too. really fun. And then, of course, he was going, now I'm curious. You said, you know, that, that if he'd gone to another soap, you would have been okay with it. Why? What, why was it that, you know, why would it well, have been okay to Well, just because I think there's, in my mind, there's always a big competition between General uh, Hospital and Young and the Restless. Just, that's just me. That's just me, my, my own feeling that they're always, again, you know, they're always, um, in the ratings, they're always better than us, better than General Hospital. And I, and it just irks. It just, it's just like, <laughs> come on, it's okay. But General Hospital is really, you know. And I just, I'm all. It's just the competition in my head between General Hospital and Young and the Restless. That's all. So I mean, it's just me. That's so just me personally. So, so basically, this whole storyline is unfolding in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so when you look at when you look at General Hospital. Um, it's interesting because General Hospital and The Young and the Restless are um, without doubt two very different shows. I always say that soaps are all different, and they should be. You know, stories that work on one wouldn't work on the other. Stories that work on, you know, The Bold and the Beautiful wouldn't work on Days of Our Lives, that kind of thing. Um, so clearly General Hospital and The Young and the Restless are very, very, very different shows. What do you think is working and what's not working on General Hospital right now? Um, gosh, I don't like the um, the the Ask Man Landers story. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I don't think. And I like Amy. I, it's nothing to do with Amy. I just don't like that that story. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this. Um, Finn and Anna's story, though 
I like the fact that we're going to get to see more of Finn and Anna. I'm just not sure how I'm, how that's going to unfold and if it's going to be um, something that's, you know, that's going to be good. Um, I like watching. I really, like there's watching. not a whole lot that I don't, um, that I'm not happy with. Um, I just, I guess just maybe speed things up a little bit sometimes. Um I hate to. I, I, I don't have a lot of patience when something when I know something big is going to come, and I'm like, "Come on, let us know what this is." But I, I know they have that. to take their time. I don't mind that, but I do agree that the pacing on General Hospital feels a little off right now, and it's not necessarily waiting for something big to happen. It's just that um, there were there were days where it just feels like, okay, we're just treading water. You know, we're, we're, I yeah. don't mind waiting. I, I mean, that's part of the fun of soaps is, oh my God, I think I'm going to die if you don't tell me right now. But at the same time, you know, if it, it feels as if there were patches of time where absolutely, you know, no story advancement is happening. And that can be very frustrating, especially in this day and age. You know, we're, yeah. we're, yes. increasingly was a, we're increasingly a people that have, limited attention spans and limited time, you know? And so if you, if, if you spend too much time recapping what's already happened, or if I feel like I tune in and nothing has moved forward, then you're basically telling me I don't have to watch every day. I can tune in once a week or once every three weeks. I mean, the, the other day they had a teaser at the end of the episode and it drove me nuts I don't remember exactly what it was, but let's just say that the episode ended with, let's pretend the episode ended with Finn saying, you know, I'm going to find her. And then in their scenes for the next day, they had him repeating the exact same line. And I'm like, oh, I know. I hate that too. That doesn't make me want to tune in. That's telling me that tomorrow you're going to have the exact same conversation that we just had. (laughs) Exactly. I I hate when they, they haven't done that a lot late. They used to do that a lot where they would repeat a scene the next day at the very beginning that they ended with. And it used to bug me because it's like, that's like five minutes of a different story or something else that we could have seen than for you to repeat what we just saw yesterday. But right. they don't, don't, make say, me I, switch, don't make me switch over to Dr. Phil. I'll do it. <laughs> I will yeah, switch over right. to Dr. I won't lie, I've done that. You know, I've been at the top of the episode and I've been like, well, let's just see who's on Dr. Phil today. Oh, wait, he's got Sinead O'Connor confessing she had, you know, talking about her breakdown. All right, I'm going to have to watch that. I'll come back and watch General Hospital. I've later. done so that with Bold and the Beautiful to, only because yeah, I get so, that, that's so opera. You know, I watch all four of them because I want to support all the soaps that we have left. So I watch all four of them. But I'll tell you, that Bold and the Beautiful it's just getting on my last nerve. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I mean, what they've done to that character, Liam, I mean, right now he's being bold and, and you know, like standing up for himself and everything. But before he was just like they wrote him as such a wishy-washy, you know, nothing. And he couldn't do anything. It just was, I don't know. <laughs> and then... I want to know who does the hair on that show, <laughs> because they need to. 
they need to look at the other shows and the other women on the other shows and how good their hair looks. Because the women on The Bold and the Beautiful, their hair looks awful, especially Steffi. Why is she always wearing a wig? It's funny to me because um, shows go through different periods where I remember I remember there was a two-year stretch where I felt like every single woman on As the World Turns had the exact same color hair dye, and it drove me nuts. It was not pretty. It was like this mousy brown. It, was, it drove me nuts. But what you said about Liam is interesting to me because um, Liam, to me, I love Scott Clifton. I think he's one of the best actors on Daytime. I, I, if, you put, if you put Scott Clifton, who plays Liam, Darren Brooks, who plays Wyatt, and uh, Don Diamond, who plays... Uh, Bill in a scene together I know I'm going to have fun like I love watching those three but Liam has for years been the waffler you know he's always he's never very indecisive never you know whether it's between women or whether to do the right thing or not and he's 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 kind of known as I if I I was going to name if I was going to guess what he eats for breakfast it would be waffles but I love this stuff. Exactly. I love this stuff with him getting in Bill's face and taking over the company. And, and, you know, you can clearly see that it's going to cause problems between him and Steffi and uh, because he's supporting Sally, who's her nemesis. And I kind of can't help hoping, okay, there's a part of me that is like, you know, I remember not, you know, like, what, four or five years ago when – Steffi and Bill almost hooked up, and they were pretty hot, mm-hmm. and they came very close to having sex. They made out, but they didn't go all the way. And I'm like, imagine how Liam's going to feel if, he, you know, he's lost women to his brother. What if he loses one to his father? I, I love that idea, and I will not cry if they go there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I remember that, too. I remember when they were hooked up together, and um, I kind of liked them together too. They weren't that. It, it wasn't that bad to watch. It wasn't hard to watch, you know. But um, it's not hard to watch pretty people having sex, you know. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> <a terrible industry. laughs> and I really do like um, <laughs> another story. So <laughs> um, Don, Don Demont, I, I so, really li- I like Bill the character. At least he's exciting to watch, you know. And, and it's amazing um, to think that he, it's amazing to think he was so well known for so long for playing Brad Carlton. And yet, right. you know, Bill is a, sometimes when an actor goes through another show, you basically see the actor playing the previous role. I do not, I do not look at, uh, I do not look at Bill Spencer and see Brad Carlton. Uh, apparently somebody activated my Siri and Siri wants to talk to me. Go away, Siri. This is not, this is Karen's time, not Siri's time. <laughs> um, you know, Karen, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put you back on hold here. I'm going to take another call, see what some other people have. I'm really glad you decided oh, sure, no to problem. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to, hold, I didn't know if there was other no, people no. waiting. I didn't mean to monopolize all Honey, your time. Can, you're not monopolizing. I can hang up on you anytime I want. I've got the power. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling. I'm really glad uh, that you, and thanks for helping me at the top of the show, too. I really appreciate it. We're going to take another call here. Uh, We're going to jump over to, I need my glasses, 204. 204, you're on the air. Hey, Richard, it's Al from Canada. How are you? Al from Canada. I apologize. You had sent me a, I, I, I think you sent me a Facebook message a couple of days ago asking me when I was going to do a show. I did not realize until about two hours ago that I was going to do one tonight. I just oh, happened okay. to be like, you know, I should do a show tonight. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's nice to nice to hear from you. 
Okay, good. I'll just take J- Bay's, uh, GH, and YNR as usual. I'll just start with GH. Um, okay, it's obviously that Steve Burton's coming back, and he's going to be Jason. There's just no denying that. What do you think that means for Billy Miller, and how do you want them to incorporate the uh, twins, uh, twins story? I'll just go first. I think I never really believed that Billy Miller was actually Jason because he just always seemed reluctant whenever it came to helping out Sonny unless he had to actually help Sonny out of a jam. They just, for some reason, the character just seemed ambivalent. I, well, I think it's interesting to assume that he's going to be Jason. Um, and I don't, and I, it's weird because ABC made the very interesting decision to air that promo where, you know, Steve Burton is wearing Jason's leather jacket and Jason's black shirt and he's riding a motorcycle. And it's like that ad basically screamed, Steve Burton will be playing Jason. And yet Frank Valentini has said from the very beginning, you know, oh, don't assume that. And you don't know where this is going. Personally, I feel like you're right. I feel like, you know, no matter what games they play over the next couple of weeks or even months, at the end of the at the end of the day, he's going to be playing Jason. That just that just seems like a natural. Um, I don't mind that, and I'm kind of if that turns out to be true. As for Billy Miller, I think this is exciting because one, they've done a good job of establishing Billy Miller's Jason with Sam. So assuming that that this is going to be Steve Burton playing Jason, then as Karen was saying earlier, you've got a situation where. Sam now has children with, you know, both, both versions of Jason. So that's kind of, that's kind of appealing to me. But the other option thing that I really like is if they do end up saying, okay, Steve Burton is Jason and and we're going to reunite him with Kelly Monaco's Sam, if that's the way they go, that means you get to chemistry test Billy Miller and play him all over the canvas and see where you want to put it. You know, there's obviously the crowd who's going to say, Put him, put him with Liz, you know, the fans of Liz and Jason. I don't really see that necessarily as happening right now because they've got a really popular couple with Franco and Liz. Although you could play a Liz-Franco, you know, Billy Miller triangle, and that would be something different. But I don't know. I, 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 I don't see them getting rid of Billy Miller. I don't see any reason to. Um, but, but it should be fun to see what they decide to do with him. Let me ask you this: Is it annoying to you that your that GH in the next month or so is going to have uh, two twins that ha- both have sort of amnesia? Not really. Um, and again, it all depends. A, it sort of depends on how they play it. When when Ron Crowbody took over Days of Our Lives, and the, and one of the very first stories that they started telling was having both Hattie and Marlena and Bonnie and Adrian on the canvas. As soon as I found out that was happening, I was so annoyed. I was like, that, ugh, why? Why are you doing this? Turned out, I love that story. It's so much fun, and the actors are having a blast. And, um, you know, I think it's important, and we as soap fans collectively tend to judge stories before letting them unfold. So, and I've tried really hard over the last couple of years to change that about myself and to you know, to not, like, because I get breakdowns and I find out things that are happening, you know, sometimes three, four, five weeks in advance, sometimes further. And and in the past, I have been very guilty of, you know, I'll run into my, my boss's office and I'll be like, oh, my God, can you believe they're, they're going to do this? This is so dumb. 
And then it'll play out of there and I'll be like, okay, that wasn't what I thought. That was better than I thought. Or sometimes it's worse than I thought. So I'm going to try and be positive Richard, you know, the, the good and light Richard and say, no, it doesn't annoy me unless it doesn't play out well, then it'll annoy me. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll just move into days. Um, you know what I noticed about days uh, versus um, like their humor versus their really gritty jeopardy stuff. I wish they would all seem keep it in the tone. Like um, Lucas finding Angelica's body in the uh, Angelica's body in his room when Bonnie and um, 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 Hattie left the, the body in there, and when he woke up, just seemed farcical. But then when we go to him drinking and him being all distraught about Will and Adrian and all that, that seems serious. Uh, and it just the tone just doesn't feel right to me. You know, I totally get what you're saying, um, and I can, I guess I can agree. For me, geez, that's tough. That's, you're really right. I mean, it is, it is a very big shift in tone, especially when it's something that involves sort of the same character. Um, in, in the case of Lucas, it sort of worked okay, because if you think about it, when Lucas wound up in bed with Angelica and found her dead body, that was sort of at the beginning of his downward spiral. You know, he was starting to drink and spiral downwards. Then he lost, then he realized what had happened. Then he lost Adrian. Then, you know, and he's also got the, the looming wedding of his former son-in-law to this other guy. So it sort of felt like it was all building. Um, and honestly, that's the reason I expected to hate this stuff with Marlena and Hattie and Bonnie and, and, and uh, uh, Bonnie and Adrian. Because, right. I expected to hate it because, I expected it to, you know, that's kind of over the top and, and it's not really my favorite kind of storytelling, but I feel like, I, I don't know. I will say this. I think, you know, you often ask me, you know, what's your favorite soap right now and ranking soaps and stuff. And I have to say, I kind of think days of our lives is my favorite show right now. And as you know, days has never really been my show. I am really yeah. loving almost everything going on on the canvas right now. I just think, I think it's a solid show. It's really well acted. The actors are having fun. When the actors are having fun, I'm having fun. Uh, so things that I really, and this is a great example of, you know, not prejudging because there's so much going on right now that I thought I would hate and I'm really loving it. Well, I guess the thing is, like, I expect the tone to be more like, example, when Orpheus was after Steve and, the, and John, that seems super serious. But then you go to other places, like, you know, Brady kind of like almost contemplating having his brother or whatever uh, take the rap for Damos's murder was almost to me almost borderline farcical again. It just doesn't make sense. It's yeah, like, it's almost, I, like weirdly, I didn't feel as if I didn't feel as if the show did that balance well during those stories. But it's worth noting, this is not exactly something new for Days of Our Lives. I mean, if you look in their history, there were times when they were playing very serious stories, and then you'd cut across canvas, and you'd have Calliope and Eugene. So, you know, this is a show that has often, in the past, um, you know, had no problem playing both very serious and over the top, and, and over the top at the same time. And I think that can be difficult. I think it can be jarring for viewers. I think... For some reason, it's working right now, and I don't know why. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know why, but Canvas as a whole seems to be working better than you might expect with those kind of mood shifts. Okay. Um, I sort of talked to you about this before. I'm going to go to YNR. 
Um, you know what I noticed about Weinar just over the last, you know, several years? This is how I feel when I look at Weinar. When I don't see Paul, Michael, Lauren, Neil, and Kevin played, I think of it and, and I see Jordan versus seeing Jordan, Graham, Zach, Crystal, and Tessa played. I feel like the network is going to Weinar and saying, right for the newbies because we can't pay out the big bucks for Doug Davidson and the crew. And that's why we don't see them as much. And that's why, and it's very, very frustrating. I don't that's think that's how that I see being written. I don't, I don't think that's You don't really think so? I mean, nope. If that was the case, then they would get rid of some of the bigger actors on the show. They would, they would, you know, they would, they wouldn't be writing for the Eric Bradens and the Melody Thomas Scotts and the Joshua Moreau's and the, you know, the people who, who like that. I don't think that's the case at all. I do think, I mean, remember a lot of, um, I do think it's very uneven, and I do wish we were getting more of Lauren and De- and 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 um, Paul and Michael. characters like that. And I think that that um, I think there's a couple of different things going on there. I think when new writers come in, they always want to introduce their own stories. They always want to introduce their own characters. By the way, let's just cut this in the bud before somebody asks it. No, they do not get paid to create new characters. That is one of the longest-running, oldest myths in the book. That that you know, if a if a writer comes on and creates new characters, they they get you know like money for that or something. It's not true. It's I've never had a writer say anything even close to that. But um, you know, writers come in and they have a vision for what they want, and and I do think that. One of the reasons they write for some of these characters, like you know Tessa and and Mariah and Noah, for example, is you need to bring up the younger generation. Unfortunately, I think that sometimes what they do is they they focus so much on newbies that that they just they just completely forget that hey, that's not why we're tuning in. And I get that you're trying to get new viewers, but you're doing it at the expense of old viewers, you know. And 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 right. people are not. New viewers are not going to tune in just because you introduce a whole bunch of new characters. New viewers tune in because you're telling stories that are getting buzzed. And the audience that is the only person that's going to be buzzing about this, nobody is buzzing about the new characters that just came on the show. You know, they're going to be buzzing about the good story you tell. Um, unfortunately, I don't think like the sex ring is a good story. So nobody's going to be buzzing about that. I know you think you're being topical and, and all this, but, but it just, it's not a good story. And it, and at the center of it is a character crystal that we don't know. And even if you say, well, she's, she's Tessa's sister and Tessa is dating Noah, you know, Noah hasn't had story in three or four years. So Tessa is, uh, Noah is not to the audience, a major character. Noah is a B player. I love Robert Evanson, and I think it's important that they do give him good story and that they build him up, but you have to do that slowly. And, and, and this story hasn't revolved around Noah. It's revolved around Tessa, who is a character that, while I really like Kate Fairbanks, we don't know her. She's not, she's not one of, quote-unquote, our people. Right. So I've got two more questions just to wrap up so everyone can get on. Um, out of all four soaps, just what – person comes to your mind first and I don't want you to think about it much who do you think is the most rock solid I'll just start first when I see B&B I think of Brooke and I think Brooke is the most rock solid character no matter what I've seen even though I don't watch it all the time that's the one that I I, I think is the most rock solid no matter what story you put her into on YNR it's Jill on uh, Days it's Justin Kiriakis and on GH I feel it's um, Maxie well, how are we defining rock solid? 
What do what do we mean by rock, rock solid? Rock solid meaning like no matter even if the story is um, off kilter, that actor, that character's um, characteristics and personality seems to have more have integrity. Okay, okay I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, B&B, B&B, I would say, has a plethora of riches in that department because, because um, Heather Tom, um, Heather Tom, yeah. Katie, Don Diamonds, Bill, um, you, put, you put them, you put Scott Clifton, you put any of those in the center of a story and, and you've got a good anchor uh, there. I agree, I agree, Catherine Kelly Lang, same thing. You know, they're, they're characters who we've known for 20 years. They're rock solid. We, we care about them. We relate to them. They're, you know, they're relatable. Y and R, um, I would say uh, Christian LeBlanc's Michael. I think Michael is one of the best characters out there. I think Christian LeBlanc is a great actor, and it's, it's a shame that they do not use him more. Doug Davidson, um, Doug, you cannot go wrong with Doug Davidson's Paul. He needs to be on there more often. Yeah, he's my he favorite to too. He's just—he's an incredible actor. He's a nice guy. He—he just—he—he he is a character that should be at the heart of this show. Um, for sure. Catherine left for sure. Yeah. General Hospital. Let's see. Um, I Dante. I would like to say Dante, but no. Um, he just hasn't had any story for years, so I don't feel like. I mean, he's dependable, you know. And I and I love. Uh, uh, um, Dante and Pragna, I think he's fantastic, but I don't feel like when I think of that show, I think of Dante as being, you know, the, the rock solid sort of center of the show. Um, I would probably go with God. I'm gonna say you're gonna say you're gonna say I know who you're gonna say Nancy Lee Grand. No, I don't, because, I mean, I, I love Nancy, but I feel, you know, here's a problem, and this might be part of the problem with GH right now, is I don't know that it has a rock-solid center. It has a lot of really solid actors. It has a lot of fantastic characters, but I don't know that there is a character who you look at the show. Um, I mean, like, obviously, Maurice Bernard Sonny is the biggest character on the show, but I don't know if that's who I would say, you know, Going by the characteristics that we're using to describe Rock Solid, I don't know that Sonny is the right person to do that for, based on who he is and and who you know what Sonny what Sonny does. Um, maybe Fanola Hughes, uh, you know, you you can put Fanola is very serviceable. You can put her in any kind of story, and and she really nails it. Um, she she automatically has heart, and she's somebody who you know you automatically care about. So maybe maybe Fanola. Right. And that leaves, uh, let's see, General Hospital Days. What, what show didn't we do? Uh, oh, Days. We didn't do well, um, Days. Takes. Days, uh, I would say with Days, I would say probably, I think Deidre Hall is, you know, mm-hmm. one of those characters who is, you know, the, the audience immediately loves her. I love Judy Evans right now. I feel like we're going through a rebirth of Judy Evans. Um, Charlie and I were watching Friday's episode last night, and he was just like, he's like, I don't know. He said, I don't know if I've always been a fan of Judy Evans, and I just wasn't, you know, I mean, you know, I've always liked her, but right now, 
I just love her. Every single time she's on screen, I just whether she's playing Adrian or Bonnie, I'm completely in love with her. Maggie and Maggie and Victor are also rock solid for me. I you put me in the karaoke living room with one or both of them, and it feels like old school solid soap opera to me. So I would I would say them as well. Okay, I'm just gonna wrap up with um, just a quick versus thing. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, who do you think is comes off as the better female cop to you, or better female detective? Hope Brady on Days or um, Anna Devane from GH? Anna. Anna. If I had a, a case that needed solved, I would go to Anna in a heartbeat. I uh, I think of all the cops on. I would want to put a tag team on it. I would want General Hospital's Anna and the Young and the Restless's um, Paul. I want them to work together and solve my case because I I would trust both of them. Right. Um, okay. Who is the stronger female character, uh, Weinar's Hillary or uh, GH's Jordan? Who could beat who well, if, if they have to come to blows between each other in, the, in this, any yeah. situation? Um, if it was a physical fight, I think Jordan would take her. If it was a battle of wits, I think Hillary would take because Hillary will say anything. Um, you know, Jordan is a little more reserved in that regard. So I think Hillary would, you know, Hillary would have no problem saying anything. Um, and I think if I had to pick a character, and you didn't really ask this, but if you had to pick a character on, on YNR's canvas who is most in need of sort of redefining, it would be Hillary. I feel like they don't know what to do with Hillary. They have this amazing actress in Michelle Morgan, and they don't know how to, what, what, they don't know what the hell to do with her. And, and, and I know it's very frustrating for a lot of fans. If um, Charlie and Gary were in the gym and you had to call a lawyer, who would you uh, call them to bail them out? Justin Kiriakis on days <laughs> or Scott Baldwin on GH? Well, it depends. If they're really guilty and I want to get them off, then I would probably call Scotty because he would do anything to, you know, get a client off. But if they were innocent and I wanted a solid, good lawyer, then I would call Justin because I think Justin, you know, probably um, – Justin is probably a whole lot less likely to piss off the judge. So, um, so I, would, right. I would definitely want, you know, him on my side. The <laughs> better spoiled rich rich kid um, – Nick uh, Newman on YNR or Brady Black on Days? Oh, it comes off across the For me, it's Brady. I just Nick Brady, just always right. seems like a frat boy. Right, exactly. And like Nick, Nick doesn't Nick act like he's rich, even though he's rich. Nick seems a little bit more stable. You know, I mean, Nick has been over the years. He's been many things, including unstable. But he's also he's a pretty good dad, and he loves his kids. And whereas Brady, I just feel like Brady at any moment. I love Brady. I love Eric Markov. I, I think I. I It'd be interesting if you asked me which of them, like Eric Hartzell or Joshua Moreau, I'd most want to hang out with because I honestly couldn't answer because I think they're both really cool dudes. But um, but Brady, as a human being, is sort of a car wreck. <laughs> so I think I would right. pick Josh as, or, or Nick as the more stable of them. <laughs> I've just got two more and I'll wrap up. Who's the better PI, Steve Johnson on Days or Sam Morgan on PH? Oh God, uh, sorry, sorry, Sam, but it's got to be it's got to be Steve. I mean, I feel like Steve actually like occasionally investigates thing. I Sam doesn't investigate anything, and when she does, her investigation generally involves dialing up Spinelli and having him do something. So I I love you, Sam, but I just don't think that I would hire you. 
who's the better female doctor, Monica Quarterman on GH or Kayla, uh, Kayla Johnson on days? Kayla. Um, I mean, Monica is, is very, you know, Monica is a good chief of staff. I think she is a good person to run a hospital. I think she's probably a very good administrator. But if I was looking for someone who was going to give me the best medical care and had, like, probably the better bedside manner, I would go with Kayla. I just feel like she's a little bit, she's a little bit softer. She's a little bit nicer. You know, she'd probably be a little bit better at breaking the bad news about how much weight I really need to lose. So I think I'd go with Kayla. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I'll let you go because I can ask you stuff when I call in the next couple of weeks. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. You know, I always enjoy when you call. Thanks, Alan. That's Al from Canada. He's one of my regulars. He's been with me from the beginning. And I love him because he comes so prepared. He has these cool questions. And I don't know. I love that kind of thing. I love rapid fire um, questions. Oh, we're going to take another call here. We're going to go to 218. 218, you're on the air. Hi, Richard. It's Sharon. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And you? I'm very well. Uh, it's funny. I was. I almost thought about canceling the show tonight because I was so tired, and I thought nobody wants to listen to me yawn for an hour. But somehow <laughs> I got my second wind, and I'm just having a blast. So yay! I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I get to eat dinner when it's over. Yay! <laughs> what do you got for me tonight? Well, as you as you know, my my big show is GH. I've always watched it for too many years to even count. But right now your your question originally on the show was what's not working for you and what is. Unfortunately, there's a lot less working for me than working against me right now with GH. I'd have to say my biggest word of description is disappointment. I'm just I Right now, as much as I have always loved GH, I feel like I'm watching it out of loyalty only. And that's a sad state. And it makes me sad. Because right now I feel like every day when I tune in, I'm going to see the same thing, the same two or three couples, the same discussions, the same angst, and other characters, other couples... Other stories have fans too. And I just feel very neglected in a lot of areas with GH right now. And I don't know if it's they're promoting a few of the stories. They're putting a lot of emphasis on it. I have to admit, I have to agree with Karen. I am not looking forward to Steve Burton coming back because that's just going to take more time away from any of the other stories that they have going, which makes me, again, sad. Who are the characters that you feel, like, or, or couples, that you would like to see more of, who you feel are being sort of sidelined and neglected in favor of, of these other characters who, you know, obviously, um, obviously Jason and Sam and Sonny and Carly um, have, for a lot of viewers, have really monopolized the show over the last, um, you know, Year nine at, months at least, if not right at right. least. So, so who are some of the characters that you would you feel have been um, sort of pushed aside and neglected? Pushed aside. Well, I'm going to go with my favorites, and and I think you know who they are: Dante and Lulu to begin with. 
They're a phenomenal couple. They have phenomenal stories. If they were used more, I feel like they've only been used to prop the Valentina and Nina story, which actually has turned me totally against Valentina and Nina. I thought at first it was going to be a very good story, a very strong story that involved two couples fighting for a child that they both had connection to. And now all I see is all Valentine and Nina. We get no viewpoint from another character, from another couple. We don't get any of the in-depth discussion on how they feel about the situation. That's all we get with Nina and Valentine. We haven't seen much of Maxie and Nathan. We haven't seen anything of Olivia and Ned. We see nothing of Brad and Lucas, who are connected to quite a few on canvas. I mean, Lucas is totally ignored when everything is involving his family. His, his father, Julian, uh, his sister, Sam, you see nothing of that. It's like all these characters that people love to watch have been cast aside to spotlight two or three couples. And I'm so saddened by this because it is an ensemble, and that ensemble has disintegrated. It's interesting. I um, I hear you. I hear that complaint a lot. Um, uh, and, you know, of course, the people who don't complain it are, are, about it are the fans of Sonny and Carly and Jason and, and Sam, who, you know, are, are of course. very central to the show. Um, and it, it's, but, but the funny thing is even a lot of the Sonny and Jason and Carly and Sam, a lot of fans of those four, even they know, you know, if they're, if they're sort of like being honest with themselves, they'll be like, yeah, you know, we, our characters do sort of monopolize the show, but we're okay with that because they're the characters we really care about. Dante and Lulu are a fascinating case to me. Um, I mean, they are both core characters. They're both legacy characters. Um, and for years and years, they have had no story. And, if, you know, unless it involved a baby. It's like that's the only story that can be told with them is a story around a baby. And I agree. When um, when the whole Charlotte story came into being, I I kind of thought maybe that this would turn into something as well, because not only does it play on um, you know, not only did it play on these two couples fighting over this baby, but it also plays on the the legendary Catherine Spencer feud. So, you know, I thought exactly. that, that maybe we'd get a lot of that, but it really it, it does become very frustrating when um, story some stories, whether it's Dante and Lulu or um, uh, or hold on one second here. Um, for those of you who are listening live, you're about to lose the feed. It's going to go away in about 90 seconds. If you want to continue listening, you can come back and listen later in the archive. Or you can call in to 714-868-0749 and listen to the rest of the show that way. If I'm losing you now, I want to thank you very much for coming. As always, I say the show would be nothing without you because it would just be me sitting here talking, which... Some of you have heard episodes where that's exactly what the show is, is me talking to myself for an hour because nobody calls in or whatever. So thanks um, to my callers and thanks to my listeners. I'm going to continue with this call. Um, so if you, want to, if you want to listen in, you'll be able to hear it in the archive. If you're listening in the archive, you don't have to do anything. Just keep on listening. 
Uh, otherwise, thank you so much for um, joining me tonight, and uh, keep your ears open, and I'll let you know when the next show is going to be. Uh, but what I was going to say was, you know, um, that it, it seemed like we might get that since it played on this this very legendary um, feud between the Spencer family and the and, and and then of course you know it helps that you had Laura thrown into the mix and Laura and Kevin and Kevin had, Kevin was shot by Valentine so there were a lot of of indications that this might be this might turn into a good story for that entire side of the canvas you know that it might turn into a that's good story I, for not just Lulu and Dante but for all of these characters and really that just it just never came to fruition. Precisely. Um, I think that Valentine and Nina have outstanding chemistry and they're great on screen. And I understand that the, the character of Valentine originally was supposed to be short term. And I understand why they wanted to change it and continue to keep this chemistry going with these two really good actors. But at what cost? And what have they done to disappoint the fans that were looking forward to this integrated, in-depth story? And now we get 90% of one side and 10% of another, and well, it's so off balance. Well, let's stop for a second here and acknowledge that, you know, I always say soaps are different. All soaps are different. What works on one won't work on the other. Um, General Hospital is not you know, love it to death, but it is not a show that tells integrated balanced stories and hasn't been for several years. Um, this is a show that has, you know, over the last, you know, I don't even know how long, it's really shifted its um, storytelling to sort of um, very mob-centric, you know, um, less hospital, more mob, um, and, and good characters really get sidelined, you know, Maxie and Nathan, yes. um, Lulu and Dante, these are, these are characters who on, you know, in the old days of almost any show would be front and center because they would be your rooting value and your hero and they would be balanced. They would be fighting, you know, outside forces and they'd be, and, and, and that's not really what General Hospital does. The other thing that is sort of, um, problematic here for some, uh, and I've spoken about this before, is that this was another case of the way they introduced Valentine. You know, if you, you introduce a character and have him kill one character that we love and shoot another character that we love and then basically say, um, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen and, you know, there's no witnesses, <laughs> and which is ridiculous because there are witnesses. Like, like, don't introduce somebody who's that bad if you want to keep them and turn them into a hero. You know, not – General Hospital needs a good – shakeup of its moral compass. It needs to recognize that, you know, I have no problem with some of your characters being, I mean, I, I you know, Sonny Corinthos is a great character, um, but he also, they need to remember that if you look at Sonny, you know, let's not forget how Sonny was introduced. Sonny was running a strip club and got Karen Wexler hooked on pills. He was a pimp with, with you know, like basically, basically pimping out underage girls. And, and it's fine that the character has changed and mellowed over the years, but they have t the mob, you know, they, they, they went the mob route because of The Sopranos. And The Sopranos was a show that had a limited run. It ran like, you know, three years or whatever for a limited number of episodes. And at a certain point, you know, 
if you are not going to move your bad characters away from being bad, if you're going to say that, like, you know, like, like the other day when Carly basically said to Sonny, you know, you not only have to stay in the mob, you have to be the best darn mobster you can be. That sort of said to me, okay, we're committed to this. We're not getting Sonny out of the mob ever. And that's just, be, you know, and, and, and at this point, good. Because you played this story time and time again where you tease us with the thought of Sonny getting out of the mob only to have something happen and he doesn't go back to the mob. Great. Fine, keep him in the mob, but let's also write for some of our characters who are not doing illegal things. You know, let's write for some of our, our actual heroes who are legacy characters on the show and have, you know, and, 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 and let's not, it's, it's, it can be a very frustrating situation, and I understand it. There's no real conflict that I see anymore because everybody has to be redeemed. One of my favorite characters for years and years has been Helena because you could not redeem that woman and she just kept getting worse. And she was one of my heroes because you didn't expect her to redeem. But I'm going to stop you there. You said that you know one, that that everybody has to be redeemed. Nobody is redeemed. Redemption implies redemption implies that you do something and you change your ways because you you've had a change of heart and a change of character. And that is not what happens. These characters do not get redeemed. Valentine has not been redeemed. He's done nothing to redeem himself. He simply has gotten away with it. And there's a big difference between that. You know, if you. You know, when, when William DeBry comes back to the canvas as Julian, if you want me to invest in Julian and Alexis as a couple again, he needs to be redeemed. And that means he needs to do something big, and it needs to be, you know, kind of epic, and it needs to be tied into romance, because what I have seen him do is something very, very, very bad. And, and, and that's the problem, is General Hospital has people do very bad things, and it does not redeem them, it forgives them. Without penance, Thank without you. punishment, and without and that is the difference. You're not being redeemed. That is, You're that simply is what being forgiven. I, right, redeemed was not the right word, but forgiven. As Valentine came in, expected him to be a, another Helena, and then all of a sudden, they completely turn his character around to this loving father and someone that was treated horribly as a youth. And you, it's it's like they're begging you to feel sorry for this person, so it's okay that he can be bad too. Well, and and that is, doesn't wash with your, me. Well, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have Valentine be a very bad character, but be a good father. You know, I think it's interesting when villains have a weakness. One of my favorite villains of all time, and it was a prime time soap, was Abby Ewing on Not Planet. She did a horrible thing. She was a terrible, terrible human being. But you understood everything she did because at every turn, every single thing she did was for her children. You know, she was always protecting her family, protecting her children, protecting their future. So when she did bad things, you you knew why. You understood it. So, you know, if you have a character like Valentine, and you want to explain that what he is doing is, you know, that he has this soft spot, he has this child, or even this, this woman that he loves very much, and that's why he does bad things, that's fine. But that is not the character we met. We did not meet a character who was doing bad things because he was protecting this child. In fact, if you look at Charlotte's history, Charlotte's history makes no sense whatsoever. 
You know, um, Thank you. They're, they're now playing that Charlotte and Papa were, you know, were this incredibly close pair and blah, blah, blah. But that is not what we were told. We were told that That's right. that, 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 that uh, Charlotte's mother, Claudette, was so afraid of him that they spent their lives on the run. That's why, that's why she never told Nathan that, that, that he had this child, supposedly, because, because they were so afraid of this guy. So this is not so, – so for him suddenly to be portrayed as this guy who raised her and was a good father, that doesn't track. And that's – one of the problems with a lot of soaps right now, I fully believe, is that they no longer do long-term Bibles, that they sort of – fly by the seat of their pants and they might plan like six months down the road or whatever, but if something, but if they decide they want to change something, they change it. And for soap opera fans, for true longtime soap opera fans, that is like a sin. You can't just take something that we saw happen, take a history that we know better than you do probably and decide to change it. And it's one thing if you're going to change a history from 20 years ago by, by taking a new spin on it, you know, soaps do that successfully all the time. That's one thing. Yes, but if you're do. taking a history that we saw unfold six months ago and telling <laughs> us, okay, we're just going to ignore that and pretend that this is what really happened, that's completely different. That's somebody basically sitting at their typewriter and doing like a search and replace. Okay, we're going to we're going to go through, we're going to search and replace, and we're going to take out baddest man ever and replace it with loving father since birth. <laughs> you know, like that, that's just not that that's a problem. That's a problem. Well, and I keep thinking and and I'm I'm like you I try to wait to see how a story will play out it irritates me when people see two days or three days of a story and then are often running on a tangent because how horrible it's going to be and we've all and done every it. day when I watch yeah we have, we have. <laughs> and every day I try to at least find one thing I like about something that's happened on the show and it's just getting so hard because, like you said, they will spin something that happened six months ago into a cloud of cotton candy that didn't exist. And that's just not the way it's done. I mean, I understand that people nowadays want more very immediate gratification, and I get that. They don't want to wait to find out in six months what's going to happen. And yet, how many of these stories on General Hospital right now have drug out for the last year? And they haven't changed. They haven't really progressed. We're still talking about Morgan a year later. My God, I don't know how many drinking games they've come up with over that. But that, now that's and a little Charlotte bit different. Is a that's year. a little bit different. There's, there's no reason that they shouldn't be talking about Morgan a year later. I mean, Morgan was the beloved son of, of two of the main characters on the show. There's no reason they shouldn't be talking about Morgan a year later. I'm okay with that. Um, but I think, I think what we're talking about is more situations where a, a storyline, you know, either completely stalls um, or, or really never had anywhere to go from the beginning um you know um the the man landers story was very clearly an attempt to come up with something to do with ryan pavey while um while while kristen storms was off dealing with you know some problems that she had to deal with her depression issues and stuff that she's been very open about talking about um and at its core i understand that 
But the problem is the story itself makes no sense because we are now acting as if, you know, we have Spinelli saying that he's been a fan of this from day one. But if that's the case, then he would know who Man Landers is because Man Landers began with as a column that had Nathan's picture. The very first thing that she did exactly. was take Nathan's picture and run it with it. So it, Spinelli, of all people, if he got it in his head that he wanted to find out who Man Landers was, it would take him six seconds. He'd go on the internet and, you know, find old columns and be like, oh my God, it's my, it's my best friend, my ex-wife's husband, you know? Like, it, it's, it, 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 that's the problem, is when, when logic goes out the window. I, I'm afraid we're out of time for tonight. Um, you know, obviously whenever, um, whenever I do these shows, well, this is one of the dangers is that, you know, you, we, we get going and we go all night long, <laughs> you know, um, because, and, and, and it's important to know, you know, two things. First of all, um, you know, when I, when I do these shows and when I have these conversations and when I'm talking with everybody, these are my opinions. You know, this is not the opinion of Soaps in Depth or Bauer Publishing or whatever. This is me having a talk show where I talk to you guys and we share opinions. It's my opinions, not those of the magazine. Um, but it's, it's also important to note there was another thought there that completely left my head. What was the other thing that's important? What was it? What was it? There was something else that's important to note. Uh, oh, I know. It's important to note, as we said at the beginning of the show, that everyone who calls into this show, 90% of the people I interact with on Twitter, and I have you know, almost 100,000 followers on our ABC account, um, for the most part, when we have these conversations, when we complain, when we, for lack of a better word, bitch, when we have these bitch sessions, we are doing it out of love. You know, we, we love our show. This is tough love. This is... This is like taking your child and saying, I love you, but I, you need a spanking right now. You know, you need me to, I, I'm going to bend you over mm-hmm. my knees and it's not going to be a normal spanking. I'm getting the wooden spoon with sloths. There are going to be, there are going to be burn marks on your butt, but it's because I love you. And that's what's important is we're here not as, you know, to burn the show to the ground or anything. We're here to, to, to talk about something that we love very, very much and are very, very passionate about and that, um, that we want to see do better. You know, it's like they say on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, you know, you've seen what the others do now, do better. Actually, that's not from RuPaul's Drag Race. That's from a show I used to go to in the city. Anyway, I'm about to run out of time. I want to thank you so much for calling. It's always a pleasure. Um, thank you. You know, Richard. I really I appreciate it. enjoy. You're very welcome, and thank you. I want to thank everybody who called in tonight. I want to thank everybody who listened or is listening in the archive. Um, keep, you know, the, the best way to find out when the next show is going to be is to follow the show on blogtalkradio.com uh, slash tune in tomorrow, because you never really know. Um, it's not quite as normal as it used to be when it used to be once a week. My schedule's very erratic these days. Um, as always, I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor from Soaps in Depth magazine. I'm also the person that you tweet with at, uh, when you're tweeting, uh, I, I try and live tweet the shows every day uh, on both Soaps in Depth CBS and Soaps in Depth ABC. You can find my personal account at How Rude Are You or my Facebook account at facebook.com slash Trophy, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. For those of you who don't know, I'm also a huge fan of um, cruising. So if you ever want to talk about like, you know, your next Norwegian cruise or carnival cruise or pretty much any cruise, hit me up because I can talk cruising almost as much as I can talk soaps. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Have a really great night. And remember, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Say it with me. Tune in tomorrow. tomorrow.